Welcome, you are listening to the Overseas Life Redesign Podcast, where you'll hear fun, relaxed, and inspirational interviews with people who are really living the dream. I'm Dawn Fleming, an attorney turned alchemist, and your host for the show, coming to you from the tropical island paradise of Isla Mujeres, Mexico. Listen to conversations with courageous souls who stepped out of their comfort zone and designed a new way of life. They'll share their experiences, wisdom and offer practical steps you can take to redesign your life overseas. Listen and you'll believe if you can dream it, you can achieve it. I'm here with Maggie Washa and we're going to talk a little bit about her experience with living overseas and uh, you and your husband Tom are snowbirds. So you spend part of your time in the tropics and here in Mexico and part-time in Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Yes. So tell me how that all came about. My husband, Tom, uh, his professional career was as a firefighter. And at some point, he just needed to get out of Wisconsin winters. There too much trauma and um, things like suicides. He did not want to spend time in February dealing with a lot more of that. And he said, it's my last February working. I'm going to take my vacation in February we're going south. And um, so a firefighter friend said, hey, try this place. So in 1991, we came to Isla Mujeres near Cancun for one week. And of course, we were close to tears leaving because it was just one week. And so Every year after that, we came back, and he kept trading time as a firefighter to shift his vacation and and work schedule. So it, then it was three weeks, then it was five weeks, then it was seven weeks, eight weeks. And by then, um, we had quit staying down in Central, where most of the action is, um, most of the tourism, the shopping, the restaurants, the beaches... Um, I liked the Centro because you could walk everywhere, and I really enjoyed it. But friends of ours insisted that we come south on the island, and it's only five miles. Right. And we did. And soon after that, we found a property. Back then, it was affordable. So in 1998, um, he turned in his sick leave, um, which he had been preciously saving all those years, and he retired. And we bought this lot, and, and we uh, built ourselves a home. So we've been here now 20-plus um, years on our home on the south end of Isla Mujeres. Tom loved, especially the first several years, just sitting on the porch looking at the ocean. We have an ocean view. We're across the street and up a little, but we have this ocean sunrise view. I started going stir-crazy. Um, you can be on vacation for three weeks and stretch it to five weeks, but I am not good at being on vacation. Sitting I, around for months at a time. Just sort of, um, yeah, doing nothing. I have to have purpose. And so even before we came down to the southern end of the island, we were still in Central, I asked around and... I'm a physical therapist, retired now, but I so I started volunteering at the Red Cross um, uh, down island, at, at, you know, doing what I could to help the the local doctor. Actually, she was also a, a an extranjera um, from England, but 
I so I pitched in, but that got me right smack into the community immediately. Absolutely, that's a great organization. By the way, we attended their fundraiser this year. And yes, it's amazing what they they do. Yes, here on they the they're coming, getting back on their feet. They really fell off for a while, but um, okay. when you've been coming to the island for twenty eight years, you get a little history. I'm of, sure of how things had had me, evolved over years. Let me stop you for a second. Um, buying property in Mexico. Did you have any misgivings about that? I know a lot of people sometimes are leery, like, oh, my gosh, you know. Well, um, I jokingly call Tom Mr. Real Estate. We're Monpa landlords, just own a couple of small units in Wisconsin. So he's all about, and he's raised on a farm, he's all about owning the land, owning property. Um, he bought a book, How to Buy Land in Mexico, and um, it talked about the fide comiso that you needed. And so we just went through the steps, you know. And back then we said, we're not going to give you any money down until you can show us a clear title. Okay, so you did your homework. We did so our extensively. homework. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And um, it went smoothly. And building went smoothly. I don't know. It's, we may have more flexibility than some people. I'm not sure what happens. But we have built or significantly renovated three different buildings on this island and hired different contractors each time because it was in different years. Never had a problem. We recommend the same contractor, and we hear about the nightmares. Yes, I've heard it too. Uh, so I really think a whole lot has to do with attitude and how you treat them and how cheap you want to be about it. Mm -hmm. And if you um, relax and, and figure out you got somebody good, and then you don't try to penny pinch and second guess them too micromanage much. And, and micromanage mm -hmm. and micromanage and assume that they're trying to you know, make off with all your money. Yeah. Um, you do well. Good advice. We, we work time and materials. And for us, that worked much better than getting this contract, you know, nailing them to it. Either they're going to lose money yeah. Or we're going to way overpay one or the other, and yeah. I. So, I think it's. I think what you bring to it is what you get out of it when you when you build in a foreign country, especially. Well, I all I know is Mexico. Sure. Yeah. Sure. In any case, I was going. This was now 1993, um, 94. I'm 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 starting to go stir crazy. But since I had started working at the Red Cross, just volunteering. I latched on to what is now the Women's Beating Cooperative. A bunch of local women were just starting up this small cooperative where they were going to make beaded jewelry and sell to the tourists. And there were local women trying to make ends meet, basically. And um, when we started out with them, um, they, were, they were literally on the front porch of the Red Cross. They were associated with the Red Cross. Years later, they somebody funded them to build the building they're in now. But they weren't very good, and they were just getting started, and um, I had taken a beating class or two, so I was able to teach them a couple of things. It is 25 years since that happened. Wow. They are so far ahead of me, it's not even funny. Their quality is excellent. They know what to look for, and they tell each other, no, no, take that out. Because it used to be I was the only one saying, take that out. <laughs> you <laughs> they, taught them well. <laughs> they didn't like it. They didn't like it. But, yes, they, I, I, 
I, I had a I had a little to do with them getting started. I, I played a role. I wasn't seminal in it. But, um, I've got history with them, and I well, and I saw on their Facebook page they sent a piece to uh, Supreme Court Justice Ruth Gator Ginsburg yes. and got a lovely letter back. I saw the piece. It was yes. stunning. Yes, exactly. Um, one of their other benefactors who takes a bunch of their jewelry on assignment, basically, brings it to the States and sells it and brings back 100% of everything. She actually takes a loss on all her personal expenses to do this, just to up the prices a little, because they sell it way, I mean... Too low. Too low, yeah. 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 Um, and she, Karen, sent a piece off to um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg on a lark, because it looked like the collars yes, that she that wears. Yes, that she wears. Uh-huh. Uh, anyway, that was, that was pretty cool. What a great cool. story. Yeah, yeah, I loved it. That was pretty cool. Um, so we're on the map, right? Right. <laughs> um, but working with them, they didn't speak any English. I had very rudimentary Spanish and, and started picking up words like, um, dame los tijeras, por favor. You know, and okay, I'd listen to it and then I'd watch that someone would pick up the scissors and hand them. Uh-huh. So someone was asking, give me the scissors, please. I see. And I, so I started getting words, but correcting myself, you know, they would correct me, right? Sure. But I had no clue why or what I did wrong. And of course, it went right out of my brain until one of the women took me aside. It was a couple of years in and said to me, what do you do all those months you're in Wisconsin? Your Spanish is just as horrible every year when you come back. <laughs> oh, bless her heart. Bless her heart. <laughs> you know, are, you know, aren't you going to get any better with your Spanish? Oh my gosh! And so that that was a. Uh, I was in my fifties, and I'm thinking, okay, I got to learn Spanish now. Oh, I got to really learn it. So, I went back and took a summer school class, which was two hours a day, four days a week, plus, you, you know, double that time for all the homework you got, Shit. and it. It was a full-time job, basically. I mean, oh, one of the more stressful things, I immersed myself in Spanish in Wisconsin, right? I came back down here, and it, I, it was a real leap in my Spanish skills. I'm sure. And I did that again a second year. Um, and now I can, depending on the topic, I've got good vocabulary and pretty good grammar, and if I get a correction... I understand exactly what I did Why wrong. Why you? Yeah, you're getting and I, you know, so I, I, if you're going to live in another country, do like we tell all those immigrants to our country: learn our language and right. learn our culture. You know, we need to learn. I mean, and that's that's I worked at it. I yeah. worked at it. Good for you. And there are people here who have been coming or living here 30, 40 years who still don't speak the language. Mm-hmm. So you don't just pick it up when you're over twenty. <laughs> well, not only that, this is such a tourist-laden area. So many of them do speak English, so you can yes. get away with it here as opposed a to other parts yes, of that's Mexico true. where they really don't speak any English at yeah, all. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I am still a little restless, even at this point in my life. I need to have purpose. Every job I ever had in the States, I worked for a nonprofit. I, I need to have purpose that's going to give back in some way. And um, listening to the women and watching when tourists would come through the door trying to buy something. They didn't speak Spanish. The, the, the local women didn't speak English. And so here we go. Um, sometimes everybody got brave and laughed a lot and they bought. 
Other times, everybody's so shy, nobody's saying a word. The, 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 the vibe isn't warm and welcoming, you know. Right. They're all a little, you know, nervous. Um, they weren't making the sales they could have. And I thought, God, you guys need English. You yeah. guys need English if you're going to get anywhere. And um, one of them, a couple of months later, took me, uh, you know, up the hill five minutes away and showed me an empty old lot and said, why don't you buy this lot and build your English school? <laughs> and I'm going, uh, my English school? <laughs> okay. But she caught me at a time in my life when I was saying, if not now, when? I've, I've got everything going in my life. Why am I not, Why not? doing something? Yeah. And Tom being Mr. Real Estate, of course, oh, we're going to buy another lot. That <laughs> <laughs> got him excited, right? Yeah, this is an investment. Ooh, okay. <laughs> so um, we, um, we, we bought the lot. And then there was another hesitation. Um, Tom kind of said, oh, God, it's so expensive. Oh, we can't. Oh, my Lord. Oh, blah, 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 blah. And I said, after a month of hesitation and realizing I, I'm not going on like this, we're doing it. I'm doing it. <laughs> you made it. the executive decision yeah. at that point. <laughs> yeah, I did. I, I did. This was my baby. I was going to run with it. So in 2002, we, we bought the lot. It started construction in 2004. It took a couple of years. We opened a school. And it was just to teach English. It was just um, kids after school. And originally, it was just for adults so that they... because we knew that that was the key to making a living wage. We could see tourism going to flood this island, and um, they were going to import a lot of English speakers. Yes. And the people here literally living on dirt floors would continue doing so. And we thought the, the leg up that they can have is if they speak English. And so that was my motivation. So that's what I did. And this is, let me tell you, completely seat of the pants. I had never run anything. I was going to say, you don't have an education background. You weren't a teacher. No. An no. English teacher. <laughs> no, I, I wasn't an English teacher. That's right. And, you know, my training is physical therapy. I had had office jobs, office manager, this and that. And in my 20s, because I wanted to play softball, I, I um, organized and started a con whole softball league once. <laughs> Because I wanted to play, so you know I got this part of me. <laughs> I'm going to do this, and and it was just figure it out one step at a time. It was always what's the next step. I never looked down the road. I never had a big business plan. I never um, it, had I done that. I would have never had perhaps the would have been a, a bit too overwhelming. I would have never had. You would have never gotten started. I would have never done it. But it was just okay. We need a, a building, so you know I designed. And we made the investment, and we did it in such a way that, you know, if and when this ever didn't wasn't a school, we would have something it could we be could use. another purpose. Yeah, yeah. big one room schoolhouse. Um, and and how was it? Did was um, there any funding involved? I mean, did they didn't pay to go to these classes, or did they? Oh, or how well, did, how did you structure that? No, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it was difficult because I wanted to charge because I ha they had to value it. If they didn't right. pay, they wouldn't. There's come. no value in free. There's no value in it, right. Um, and I also figured out that um, they would think it was cheap and worth nothing. Right. They wouldn't, I mean, that, that what they were being offered had no quality right. if they didn't have to pay. 
but I nevertheless tried to set the price. I wanted to get the people in dirt houses. I right. wanted uh, in dirt floors and, sure. and the, you know the the tar paper shacks. Right. That that was my target um, uh, population for giving them these English skills. So I charged them probably about half of what the overhead was. Okay. And uh, very quickly, of course, that turned me into a fundraiser, right. and I got really good at schmoozing. <laughs> Um, people brought just suitcases full of donations, um, all kinds of school supplies, whatever I asked for. You know, uh-huh. someone brought me a boombox because I needed it. I mean, it was amazing uh-huh. uh, the generosity of North Americans um, yes. to keep this to get the school going. And I also incorporated Americans in the school in that the whole focus was not to read and write English. Um, we've all had plenty of Spanish or whatever foreign language class yes. where we learned to read and write. Yes. We couldn't speak a word. Right. Um, or we could put two words together. We were afraid of it. I wanted everybody speaking. Conversational. Conversational phrases. Just get used to having their mouth form words in English. And um, so I would have small tables for four. That was my classroom, a bunch of tables for four. And I would have at least one American at every table. Ah. And so we would have a round robin of phrases to practice. You know, you'd say this to this, and then you'd turn and you'd go, and it would go round robin around the table with the American there listening and helping and having their turn so people could hear it. Relationships formed, Mm -hmm. cultural exchange took place, lifelong friendships started, and everybody loved it. The the Americans thought it was the most meaningful experience they could have, and the, the local people thought also that, I mean, they were making connections. They would see them on the street later and, and mm-hmm. love every piece of it. So I was, I was delighted with this. We had the school open for nine years. I had to start a nonprofit sure. in the States, and it was um, a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot more effort. At some point, I started burning out. I just, it, my life was fundraising. and Kind of got I, a little consuming. It got all-consuming, and it was 24-7. I mean, we were here on the island about five, six months, Mm -hmm. but what did I do in the United States? I managed it from from afar and fundraised like crazy. I base I, I it was my baby. It consumed me, and I it gave me purpose, and I loved it. And at some point, it started to kill me. Okay. (laughs) So. Tom saw it and started, instead of supporting me, not supporting me. Uh And I began agreeing with him. The stress level, the exhaustion, and and I had less and less contact with the students. And right right as this was starting, 2009, 2010, was the recession, Mm -hmm. you know, okay, 2008, whatever. It hit the island as well. Less tourism. People couldn't, you know, they started charging per suitcase, so people uh-huh. couldn't bring the donations. Um, people didn't have the spare money. They weren't so generous in donating to keep the school going. And most important, the the local people trying to learn English were more desperate than ever, but worked two jobs. They had no time literally ever to come. So they'd come begging for a class. Yes, yes, uh-huh. oh, please, I need to learn English. And I'd say, okay, when could you come to class? And they and couldn't find the time. And they, nobody had any time. I mean, yeah. they literally, they worked till, t- you know, from 8 in the morning till 10 at night, two jobs, and, you know, weekends till Saturday at 5 or 4, whatever. 
so the writing was on the wall. Um, we had more and more kids coming. That was great. And, uh, and um, even though I don't think those kids walked away, some of them did, but they didn't walk away fluent in English. They were able to speak in English without a bad accent. And I know that as time progresses, when they have to now speak English as young adults, because they've all grown up. Had a little bit more background in it. They, their mouth can Experience. make the words. I mean, right. the adults you start teaching them, they literally cannot make the sounds that English speakers make. Yes. And the kids can. Yes. And they, they, they can hang on to that, and it will help them down the road. So after nine years, I closed the school in 2013. We'll be back in a moment. Isla Mujeres is a Caribbean jewel off the coast of Cancun. Castellito del Caribe warmly invites you to enjoy our spectacular oceanfront villa located in the heart of El Centro and a short walk to Playa Norte, which is ranked one of the top 10 beaches in the world. With an ocean view of crystal clear turquoise waters overlooking both the Caribbean and Cancun city skyline, we offer a fabulous location for you to enjoy all the peace and tranquility you're looking for on vacation, while also taking in all the excitement the island has to offer, with activities either in walking distance or a golf cart day excursion away. Please visit castellitocaribe.com www.castellitocaribe.com We look forward to seeing you soon. Integrity Vacation Property Management Trust, Truth, Results From buyer's representative services to rental market analysis, staging, marketing, and full-service property management, achieving your goals is our top priority. Visit our website at www.integrityvpm.com and get our free guide, Self-Manage or Hire, a property owner's checklist of issues to consider. Contact us for a free consultation to see if we can help you maximize the return on your investments. Integrity VPM, raising the bar in vacation property management. Welcome back to the Overseas Life Redesign podcast. Thank you so much for being here, and we invite you to subscribe if you like what you hear. And what about life after the school? Now I'm back to beating <laughs> and really enjoying it. And they're way ahead of me. I'm kind of, I show up when I can and, and, um, well, and, and, and that building that you built now has become an income property for you. So it's, it has transitioned into what Tom envisioned. Okay. If it, you know, yeah. if, and when we get to the point, we don't want to do the school anymore. We have this alternative purpose that we yes. can, can repurpose this property yes, into. Exactly. And Tom, um, after, Two or three years of just staring at the ocean, <laughs> getting past all of the trauma that, that every firefighter sees on a regular basis, oh, sure. um, became the maintenance man. I mean, that was his role. You name it, he can fix it. And Or Jerry rig it so only he knows how to run it. <laughs> <laughs> he seems to enjoy it, too. Oh, yes. He I've spent his, he's in his element when he's doing that, it yes, appears. Yes, that's his purpose here. That's his purpose on life, and, and he does enjoy it a lot. Yeah. And I'm... I'm 70 plus going on 71 and I'm starting to relax a little more, uh-huh. not need so much hard purpose as I used to. But you're still, I know you're still actively involved with some scholarship programs. Do yes. you want to talk about that a little bit? Yes. The other need that I saw even as I was starting the school is that local smart, sharp kids in high school had absolutely 
zero chance of going on to university. And their jobs in front of them would have been housekeepers sure. or um, Abeniel's cement workers, you know, whatever, right. that barely, barely a living wage. And I, uh, it was crushing to me to watch that happen. So uh, along with my uh, local secretary that I had hired to help at the school, Lupe, she and I put together this plan where we would we identify students that, that were smart and sharp and could keep the grades up and had good grades and match them one-on-one -on -one with uh, an American tourist who was willing to be their sponsor, their donador, right? And so one-on-one, -on -one, they would give, maybe it was like 50 bucks a month okay. and got them through high school. Because okay. high school had more expenses than middle school, and people pretty much quit going to school after middle school. Uh, not too many went to... We got four grade schools on this island, one middle school, and one high school. And 25% of the people who start high school to this day are graduate. Mm -hmm. It is... It, it, Large, it doesn't yeah. happen. Big, yeah. big number of attrition. Big number. But you want to take those jewels and yes. you want to give them hope for the future. So the, over the last 12 years, this little scholarship program has grown. We now have three people managing it. Um, one with the money, one with the local connection with students, and uh, one with the website and all the web stuff. And Anyway... We've got 12 students, each student, because they're now mostly in university, all of them except one, each student has 10 to 12 um, donors on their team, oh, okay. and so there is a, a team Uselli, and a team Hebron, and a oh. team Giovanni, and those students have to write their donors, their donors have to... Um, well, if they're on easily, they get to meet them. And yes. these students are just desperate to meet. Who is this person? Who are person? these people who are funding my education? Exactly. Wow. Who would do this? Who would give me... I mean, I, I had this dream. I could never have realized that we get these incredible, grateful letters every month. We're at capacity. We're pretty clear that if we... Because we're all doing this 100% volunteer and we've all right. got full lives you know, aside this. <laughs> right. We're holding it at 11, 12 students. Okay. So that, because that's like over 100 people donating. Yes. And uh, that's our capacity. Uh, okay. It gets more, we'll burn out. Okay. Um, but it's, uh, it's just a fantastic program. And again, lifelong connections are being made with the students, um, and we're loving it. And, of course... I've learned a whole lot about this culture and how things are way different than you imagine and think they could, should be. You know, why can't they work part-time? Why can't they work their way through school? Well, if they're short on funds, why don't they take a year off and then come back? Turns out you take a year off. You, you, there's no such they thing. They don't come back. They, you, you cannot. You oh. have to start over. In their system, the their university, university system. system will not accept a continuing student. I you see. Start only from the beginning, uh, so you can get three quarters of the way through, and you don't have the money, and you lose it all. Oh my! You Oof. lose it all. So it's it. it um, we offer them something that uh, I mean, they all they have to have the consistency. That's yeah. a non-negotiable. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, that's just one of the things. It costs maybe. To send a student through a four-year university, about $25,000. Wow. 
total. That's a lot less than the United States. Yeah. It's, uh, that includes housing. That oh. includes all transportation to the school. That, that includes, I mean, if they're going to Merida, they got to live in an apartment. They got to feed themselves. Right. It includes that stuff. Everything. Yeah. Wow. Tuition per month is about 2,300 pesos. So what's that? $150? Um, yeah, something like that. $200 a month that they wow. got to pay in tuition. That's it. That's it. And then, but, but of course, semester uh, registration is more. When they go to graduate, they've got to then pay like $1,000 for their degree to get the actual, mm. you got a degree. So there are funny different expenses. Weird expenses. That People will get all the way through and they don't have the, that extra money. Uh, so wow. it's different. Yes. The other thing that's different is that when you start university in the United States, you know... Okay, if you just follow this for your course, you're going to graduate this date, and this is the tuition. Pretty much, you know when you graduate. They don't know that. It's not part of what the university tells them. It's a floating date out there. As they get to within a year of it, it starts to solidify. Hmm. It's not the same. So Americans come wanting all, well, how much, and well, what's this, yeah. and what about, you know, and it's like... Not that simple. Not the same exactly yeah. and so we've we've had to educate and adapt people have been pretty understanding that yeah. things are done differently here and they've gotten good at it yeah. <laughs> so it's it's not easy well it sounds like a great program and uh, maybe maybe offline we can talk about you know how that could possibly be expanded because i know there's definitely as you say a lot of folks that i can imagine would love to support something like yes. that and it yes. sounds like a very worthwhile cause it's 100% yeah. of the donations yeah. are going straight yeah. to these kids Absolutely. for their and, future education and because we have a team each person chooses what they donate between 25 and up up to sure. 100 150 dollars depending on what they want to do and mm -hmm. but they're all equal team members and nobody else knows what they donate sure you know and so it works you know oh. it it works i i'm i'm pleased with it and, and, yes. and how did you come up with with the system i i'm just curious um did it just start with one that you did this way? And it's, then you're like, okay, it's working, so we'll start to replicate it? It started with a half a dozen or so. Oh, okay. And, and I think it started with this concept in the school of having a, a volunteer there. I wanted that personal connection to be made. That's what makes being in a different country meaningful. Yes. We've had a lot of friends who came in, in 98. When we were building, they were building. 98% of them are gone. They stayed here two years. They didn't connect in the community. They, they couldn't get used to the culture, you know, little things like what manana really means. Right. <laughs> um, and uh, they got fed up and sold and left. Wow. They, they couldn't. They, you need a certain patience and um, openness to accept. Yeah. Yes. Tolerance and um, understanding. Yeah. Yeah. And you gotta have a good sense of humor. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. and, and so, I think that's true in life in general. Yes, but <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, outside your home country for sure. But uh, it, yeah, yeah. So anyway, I like that personal connection, and I didn't want to lose it. Every other charity you give to, you don't have. It's it. sort of anonymous. Yeah, or, you don't or know impersonal. Who, yeah, at least. and you get a picture. You know, oh, yeah. let me send you a picture. Well, yeah, yeah here. You, we usually connect with what we call Islaholics, people who yes. come back every year, and they get to meet their student personally. And, and I mean, 
it's and it's got to be such uh, an impactful meeting for both, right? Both it the does. student and the donor. Yeah. The donor can see the tangible results yeah. of of what they're giving, and then the student is actually like, "Wow, I have cheerleaders." Yeah, right. And, I have and people that, that are really pulling cries, for me. and then the, the donor is crying. Everybody's <laughs> crying. We're all smiling and hugging and crying, and it's oh, you know, and I get to translate. So right. I'm in the middle of all of it. Oh I yeah, really you're trying to it. translate through tears, I'm sure. And <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly, exactly. There. I've definitely done that, and it's it's. I uh, just, you know, I, I just say you you open that heart and and you open the wallet and and it, your heart fills. It's mm-hmm. just many of our donors say, that, boy, they just get so much more than they give. And Absolutely. So, um, I think that makes all the difference. It isn't just here. I know this will do good. Let me give you some money. It's this is the student and I get a letter every month from him. I love this program. Oh, so wow. Well, that is, um, that's just fantastic. I I knew there was a story there. I I didn't know all the details when uh, we sat down for this. So I'm so glad that we had the the chance to uh, chat about this. And um, I just think you're an amazing woman. Um, I I have the same affinity for wanting to give back and, and, figure out ways how can we have how can how can we improve the planet needs this absolutely um these relationships and uh so uh bravo to you for for having that sense of i've got to do something besides sit around for for five months um because obviously you've left quite a legacy here um with the and and obviously reaped some pretty profound benefits um spiritually and emotionally so um, is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up? Or? Um, just to, about anybody deciding to move somewhere else. You know, my I guess if I were to give advice is is don't don't jump in the deep end. You know, come for a couple weeks and then a couple months, and you know, don't buy right away. And if you do buy, just know for a fact you got to have a maintenance person. You know, full time, one spouse or the other. You know, like any second property, and here everything rusts. We're on the ocean, <laughs> right? Um, and you got to keep taking deep breaths about the culture because it isn't ours. Yeah. Um, yeah. Awesome. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank Life you. Is good. Life is sweet. <laughs> you gotta enjoy Agreed. it. Agreed. Right? Oh, I yeah. love it here. Uh, yeah, Tom and I really have loved it uh, here as well. And uh, well, I've been coming for twenty-five years, so uh, this this uh, place definitely is very special. But uh, you're pretty special uh, uh. addition to it. So thank you so much for your time. This episode of the Overseas Life Redesign podcast was brought to you by our sponsors. Thanks for tuning in. Did you love this episode of the Overseas Life Redesign podcast? Then please subscribe to our show and leave us a nice review. It's very much appreciated. We invite you to visit www.overseasliferedesign.com and take the Are You Ready for an Overseas Life Relocation Readiness Quiz. We'd also love for you to become part of our OLR community on Facebook. Thank you for listening.